3: Welcome to the show, my name is Andy Last... And this is Beyond Synth, episode 161. And today, Florence and I are reviewing Glow, the series Glow. And we're listening to lots of cool music, and we're going to do that in just a second. So, last week, I sent a survey to my Patreon supporters about their favorite parts of the show, least favorite parts of the show, stuff they'd like to. To see in future episodes, and I'm going to be reworking the show just a bit. I'm making a few subtle tweaks to Beyond Synth based on the responses from people and uh, and I'm going to tell you all the wonderful things I'm going to change right after this song. That's right. So we'll listen to some music and then we will uh, we'll talk about a few little subtle changes to Beyond Synth. So how about we listen to a track here is one from Hyperdriver. Uh, this is from the album Matrix Overload and this track is called Night Night and Day. was Night and Day by HyperDriver. The album Matrix Overload, and you are listening to Beyond Synth, and that, of course, was brought to you by Retro Revolutions. Go check out Retro Revolutions on YouTube. He does cool things. Go to YouTube and type in Retro Revolutions. Now, what is going to be changing with Beyond Synth? Well, although a lot of people had their own personal advice, and obviously, there's things you can't really do anything with, because someone will say, my least favorite part is junk emails, and I'll do another survey, and it's like, my favorite part is junk emails. So obviously, you know, I can't do anything with that. But, there were a few consistent things with the responses, especially for the least favorite parts of the show, and one of them is the Patreon shoutouts. So a lot of people are saying that they just find that segment a little too long. Now, you know, last season, we used to do just the Patreon segment. And there got to be a point where that segment would go on for like 10 minutes. And then I thought, well, maybe what I'll do is instead of doing the Patreon segment, I will just thank a few Patreon donors after every song. But now, and look, I'm so grateful for the support on Patreon, but it is getting to the point where every episode I am reading like a 100 names. Actually more. And it is becoming sort of repetitive. And I said sort of, but it just it just is repetitive, right? And a lot of people were telling me that they just, they want me to shorten that. And also, what we call the housekeeping. You know, every episode, I usually say the same thing about Retro Revolutions, and I say the same names every episode. And it takes up probably like 15, 20 minutes of every show just reading names. So, What's going to happen? Moving forward, we are cutting out the $5 shout-out. All right? So there will still be a one-time shout-out, as it always said on the Patreon page. So if all new donors will always get a shout-out, when people upgrade their support, they'll get that shout-out. But the $5 shout-out is going to go. The $10 shout-out is now going to be monthly. So I'm going to break up the list, basically. And that way, after every song... I'm not reading a list of like 20 names. I'm just going like, hey, that was brought to you by and I say two or three names and that's it. The $25 donors will still get a weekly shout out. But what I'm doing is I'm adding more features to the Patreon itself. So up until this point, there hasn't really been that much like exclusive stuff on the Patreon. And so now what I'm trying to do is in lieu of a shout out on the show, I want to make sure that the people supporting Beyond Sin through Patreon have something special to you know, acknowledge their support because I'm very thankful that you guys support the show. So now I'm going to be doing a weekly behind the scenes vlog, which will be for patrons only. There's going to be Patreon polls now. So after every episode of Beyond Synth, starting with this one, there's going to be polls on Beyond Synth where people can, where the patrons can vote for their favorite songs. And then I'll be able to put together a best of based on the actual Patreon supporters, you know, which songs uh, they voted for. And I'm adding a bunch of features like that to the Patreon itself. So basically I'm doing this to streamline the show because a lot of people also said that they find the show is sometimes too long, which was a weird one, but whatever. I mean, because you can listen at your leisure, right? Or your leisure. By cutting out the Patreon shoutouts, and also by focusing... I'm boring myself now. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, look, I want to listen to another song. Oh, my voice just cracked, and uh, and I'll keep talking about this, but I'll, I'll cut it short because now I'm boring myself. So, well, I played a clip of this last week, but I just thought, you know what? Let's just listen to the whole song because it's because uh, it's a good time. This is Mecha Mako from the album Mad But Soft, and this is the one she did with Dana Jean. This is Cold. mecca mako from the album mad but soft and uh, that's a good one check it out so what was i saying oh yeah basically what i'm doing to change the show is i'm adding more features on the patreon itself and i'm cutting back the repetitious housekeeping stuff repetitious is that a word stuff from the show so there's going to be less shout outs so that means that we can talk more on the show and we're also going to And by we, I mean me. I'm also going to be trying to keep the segments a little bit more on track. So a lot of you were making fun of that Hedge Clipper segment with Marco from a few weeks ago. So starting next time Marco's on, I'm going to be keeping the Keeping It 80s segment a bit more on track. Um, Look, it's still beyond synth. It's still going to be a silly show, but I think some people do listen and go like, Like, what's the point of these segments if they're just rant? It's just me chatting with different people, but they have like titles. And then with Florence, as you're going to hear this week, we're going to change the segment slightly so it's... Before it was Florence would come in and she'd review a movie she watched or something. Now we're going to make sure that we've both watched the same thing so that we can both comment on it and, you know, like in today's show where we watch GLOW... We mostly talk about season two, but we both watched it, and so, you know, we're both part of the conversation. And then for Retro Revolutions, what I'm going to start doing hopefully next week, possibly the week after, is I'm actually going to have Jared come on the show and do a little short segment uh, every show, because, you know, he does mods, like he mods old video game consoles, and he's, you know, he's an electrician, and he does all this stuff. So instead of me saying the same thing every week about Retro Revolutions, what I'm going to do is just have my on the show for a quick little, you know, three-minute segment every week where he talks about, you know, retro computing, electronics, whatever, like the stuff that he does. And that way, it's not as repetitive and you guys have some sort of new content every week. And by doing all of these things, I think the show can stay on track and, and be cool. So I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I, I, don't, I don't think having a little bit of structure will hurt the show because, look, I'm still the host. And it's still going to be a stupid and silly show, all right. It just means that hey, maybe when we do keeping it '80s with Marco, we might actually talk about the '80s, all right. Now, since I won't be doing as many of the regular shoutouts anymore from Patreon, I'm bringing back the Patreon jingle, and that's going to be what I play every week uh, if there is any uh, Patreon updates. And there is, so let's go check out the Patreon. Right, guys let's see what uh, updates are happening in patreon land well we got a new five dollar donor watch out for snakes and I've played watch out for snakes on the show I think he does chip so maybe we'll listen to some more tracks from his when I do another chip tune special maybe in the next few weeks and we have new five dollar donor Gary Heather thanks Gary Heather you're a cool guy but you know you're cool you know it and then, oh, looks like Rohit Ganger has upgraded his support. Thanks, Rohit. Rohit. I think that's how you say your name, right? You, re- you wrote me a letter saying this is how you pronounce it. So I hope I'm saying it right. Rohit Ganger. Anyways, Rohit has upgraded his support. He's a cool guy, and he deserves your respect. And Emilio Astevez has upgraded his support! That's right, Emilio is now in the $25 club. Emilio is a cool guy, and Astevez is a funny last name. And I think that's all for Patreon updates this week, so I'm gonna close the Patreon. Zip! Like it's a... (laughs) Like it's a zippered sack. And uh why don't we listen to another song? Here's one from Absinthe. That's A-B-S-I-N-T-H-3. I think the 3 is meant to be an E, but I do believe it is Absinthe and not Absinthe 3. Absinthe 3. <laughs> do you mind if I start calling you Absinthe 3? Anyway, this is from the album Retropolis, and this track is called Retropolis. And that was Retropolis by Absinthe from the album Retropolis. And that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. The King of the Pattersons, Chris Williams. And then there's Pattern Shift. Check out Pattern Shift at Bandcamp.com. And uh, and in the $25 Club, there's Clint Dowling, Emilio Astavez. He's just joined it, so that's exciting. Christian James and Mike Shima. So... What we're going to do today on the show, Florence and I watch GLOW, and we review it. We do a little recap of Season 1, but I need to stress this. Spoilers! We spoil Season 2 completely, alright? This isn't like a mild spoiler thing, we literally just... Talk about almost the show like beat for beat, what happens. So, if you have not seen Glow or Glow Season 2 and you care about spoilers, uh, don't listen. Seriously, though, Glow is a really easy watch. Like, if you have Netflix, they're half hour shows. It's one of those shows, I think there's like 10 episode seasons. It's so easy to burn through that show. I think that's one of the reasons why I actually watched it. Because, you know, there's so many shows and movies people tell me to watch and I just can't get to it because it always seems so overwhelming. But honestly, you can watch Glow in like an afternoon. And I suggest you do, because it's a fun show. And, uh, you know, if you like your 80s retro stuff. But before we do that, uh, I remember last week we were taking listener calls and a few people called in late. And I still have a few of these to play, but here's one. This is the Beyond Synth answering machine. I guess we'll play the mail sack jingle. Malesack. Let's press play here.
2: Hey Andy, so I realized the other day I've never seen Scarface. Should I watch this movie? I know you really like it. What makes it so good?
3: All right, and that was from Binkley. You goof, go watch Scarface. The hell? (laughs) I'll tell you what, Scarface is awesome. Scarface is an indulgence. It is like a very sweet chocolate because it is this over-the-top movie featuring a whole bunch of actors who are playing over-the-top characters in a way that you just couldn't do now and that's not the reason why I like it but I was thinking about this the other day watching clips of Scarface and just going like, wow, Like you couldn't do this. You know how sensitive people are about casting and stuff in Hollywood movies now. To have basically a cast of essentially white actors with <laughs> like brown makeup on doing... <laughs> crazy accents. There's no way in hell you could do this movie now. But it yielded some of the most memorable performances. And so for me, a lot of the movies that I really love have these these big, memorable performances. And obviously, Al Pacino as Scarface, it's just one of the most amazing performances. It's it's just gripping. It's so over-the-top and silly, but at the same time, so menacing. It's funny because it's like my favorite movie, but if I saw this character in real life... I would probably hate this person and be terrified by this person. Do you know what I mean? Some movies you watch because you find the heroes likable and you think, oh, you know, it'd be cool hanging out with Star-Lord or whatever. But Scarface is this... Repre- Tony Montana is a reprehensible character and the movie is about his sort of spiral because he's he just wants more and... He has characters around him who are a little bit more sensitive, but you can see how that starts to take a toll on him and how he becomes paranoid. And he's really not a redeemable character, you know? Like, (laughs) it's funny because I love this movie, but and I love his character because he's so amazing, but at the same time, there's certain things he does where you're like, okay, he shows his humanity kind of, but then there's a lot of things he does where you're like, Wow! Like he was just a prick to do that. Like there's so many things he does that are just prick moves, <laughs> but the character is awesome, and every and all the side cast, uh, the rest of the movie is filled out with awesome characters. Robert Loggia, who plays Frank, is amazing. Then you've got F. Murray Abraham, who is amazing in this film. You do that, you got five grand. I mean, he's so good. Um, The violence is super over the top. The guy who plays Sosa is awesome. Tony's best friend Manny is awesome. Everyone's awesome. I, I will also say, though, that this is a very male film. Which I suppose is a nice contrast considering we're talking about Glow today, which is, you know, a female-led show. Because when I was growing up, you know, I loved Scarface, but I found that girls don't really like the movie too much. It it doesn't seem to appeal to women the same way it appeals to guys. Like, it's just a guy movie. It's very masculine, it's very aggressive, which is fine. (laughs) Like, I think we're living in a funny time now where it's like everything has to be acceptable for everyone. And I just don't agree with that. I think it's it's fine if there is, you know, look, if there's movies that appeal to like majority female audience, it's fine. Like, I don't think that. As a dude, I need to like shoehorn in some maleness into the movie so that I can appreciate it. It's like, hey, cool, man. Hey, look, ladies love this film. That's cool with me. And then it's cool if there's movies that are just for dudes, you know, and I think Scarface is one of them. Scarface is just a it's just a man movie, kind of like Predator, you know, and that's all I have to say about it. So it's and it's got a great fucking synth soundtrack, man. Giorgio Moroder, like it's so good. It's like this cheesy, early 80s, like, disco-y kind of tracks. It's it's awesome. So, Binkley, fucking watch Scarface, idiot. Get on it, man. And then you can call me back and tell me what you thought. There's some brutal scenes in there, but... Well, whatever. Let's listen to a song, and then when we're done, we will go and uh, talk to Florence. So here's a track from Dallas Campbell. He released a new album called The Seven Sisters and the Serpent. Dallas, you know, I I enjoy his music. He does that more kind of 70s vibe, electronic music. I probably say the same thing every time I introduce one of his tracks. But uh, this album's great, so it's still got that Dallas Campbell vibe. Some of the songs have a bit more, like, cool bass lines and stuff going into them, and uh, and I dig it a lot. So this track is called Rebellion of Hyades. Rebellion of Hyades by Dallas Campbell. I think it's Hyades. I think it's a Greek word. H-Y-A-D-E-S. Hyades? Screw you, Dallas, for making me learn a word. I still don't know what it means. I think it's a star cluster or something. It's a Greek word. Anyways, go check out Dallas Campbell because uh, that album is cool. And that, of course, was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. There's Joey and Kendra, Gregorio Franco, and Chris Dance, my lovely $25 pals. And if you want to uh, also support Beyond Synth like these lovely people, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth. Or you can just go to Beyoncent.com and click the donate button. And now I'm going to go chat with Florence because we just watched Glow Season 2 and we want to talk about it. So, reminder spoilers! You've been warned. And we're catching up with Florence. Hi, Florence. Hey, Andy. How are you? I'm good. Did you hear a few weeks ago I did a, a listener call-in show? I did. And caller Orlando was doing an impression of you.
4: Oh, was he? Ooh, I haven't heard that yet. I'll go back and listen and assess his impression. It's great. Oh, good. Okay.
3: <laughs> so what have you been doing since uh, since we last talked?
4: Working... Watching a lot of Star Trek, actually.
3: <laughs> the uh, the next gen?
4: Yes, next gen.
3: How are you enjoying that?
4: I really like it. I love it a lot. I'm cool. deep in the third season right now. So.
3: Well, well, we'll talk about that in an upcoming show. But today, we're going to talk about Glow.
4: Yeah, finally.
3: I just finished season two. I think we both just finished season two. Mm-hmm. We never really talked about the first season. So all people need to know is that I enjoy the show. I think it's a good show. That's good to hear. hmm and uh, and I like the first season. I think my favorite character is Mark Maron, who plays Sam. Sam, right? Yes. I'm gonna need your help with the names because like I I forget all their names.
4: I'm gonna forget all their names too. Okay, we'll forget so. together. It'll be fine.
3: <laughs> but yeah, he's my favorite character. I like him. Grumpy film director guy. Yeah, no, it's a it's a fun show. I think I don't really care about the 80s aspect. Like I know obviously in our scene with the the nostalgia and the retro 80s stuff. I think people just they like anything that's sort of retro 80s and that aspect of it I could sort of take or leave really like it's not really the driving force of my enjoyment of it the same with like Stranger Things you know like Stranger Things takes place in the 80s and it has these like 80s things going on but if it was contemporary I think I would enjoy the show the same Mm -hmm. because it's more about like the style like they could still have the same kind of synth soundtrack and have that sort of You know, 80s style they're going for, but doesn't necessarily have to take place in the 80s when you think of movies like Drive, for example, that doesn't take place in the 80s. Or, um, have you ever seen the movie The Guest? That's another one that's got sort of like a synth score and a kind of a retro vibe, but it's not a retro movie. All right. Anyway, the point is that. Although Glow is about the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, and it is in the 80s, I just think it's a funny show, and it's well-written, and the cast is uh, likable.
4: I definitely agree. Yeah, because it really isn't about the 80s with it. It's definitely more about the characters and the story. And personally, I mean, I like wrestling. So the cool thing about this show to me is that it's a pretty good portrayal of the wrestling world Mm -hmm. for newbies who don't really know about wrestling. Yeah. The scenarios and the characters in GLOW are ridiculous, but wrestling is just as ridiculous, real wrestling. So I think they do a really good portrayal of that world. It's kind of like a good intro to it. I don't know.
3: Yeah, and I liked how um, the lady who plays Liberty Bell... We should probably know their fucking names. Hold on, I'm going to go to IMDb. Their
4: real names? Well, no,
3: just, just their names. Well, it's... Her last name's Gilpin, isn't it? Hold on.
4: Betty Gilpin plays Debbie.
3: Yeah. So her character, what I liked was because she came from the world of uh, soap operas. Mm-hmm. That was a great scene is when she makes the connection. Mm-hmm. Like when she she can't get behind this wrestling thing and she doesn't understand it. And then when she understands like the soap opera connection... That she has like this like realization moment and understands what she's doing at that point. I thought that that was a nice moment.
4: I liked that episode a lot because she goes to a wrestling show mm-hmm. and they filmed that particular wrestling show in Glow at this place. Um, it's an American Legion Hall in Reseda, California, where um, this uh wrestling promotion called PWG. It stands for Pro Wrestling Gorilla takes place. And I've been to many shows there.
3: Wait, what's the gorilla aspect? Aspect? Gorilla, like gorilla, the animal, or gorilla, like gorilla filmmaker.
4: Gorilla filmmaker, gorilla, gorilla war.
3: Yeah, like the the G U E R R I L A.
4: It has a U in it.
3: <laughs> How did, What did I say? I did say it. Okay, yeah. Go on. Sorry, yes. I'm wasting your time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Um, I loved that scene because it was really cool to see that setting that I knew very well. And also, like, all of those wrestlers who were in that show, they're all people who I've seen many times. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of neat. I like that a lot.
3: Yeah, I sometimes have that experience in Toronto since, like, so many movies are filmed here. I mean, I think they even filmed some of, like, It just down the road from me. But uh, anyway, uh, (laughs) let's, uh, let's listen to a track. So this is a track from Anachronist from Anachronist's self-titled album. And this track is called Don't Worry About It. And that was Anachronist with the track Don't Worry About It. And that was brought to you by my lovely Patterson, Jacob Wick. Jacob Wick is a really cool guy. And uh, we're back here with Florence, and we're talking about Glow, the television show. And uh, we're going to talk about Glow Season 2, but we're just sort of recapping Season 1. And for me, I just really like the dynamics between all the characters. You know, I mean, obviously there's this big tension between Betty Gilpin and Alison Brie's character, and they... Uh, they- They just make you feel so bad for Alison Brie all the time. (laughs) Like she's just she's so eager, and she's the one who just keeps on getting like shit on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I had fun with the show. I mean, like Mark Maron. I just I think he's really good in this show because I've always listened to his podcast, although I haven't in the last little while. But I mean, I I like him, and he had his own show on IFC for a while, Mm -hmm. and. He's not great in it. Like, he gets better as the show goes on. But it's like he's playing himself, like a version of himself in the IFC show. He's much better on Glow. Like, I actually think he's really good in it. And I like the relationship between... That sort of starts to form between him and, like, Alison Breeze's character. How he is this sort of crabby old dude, but they do sprinkle in enough, like, heart into his character that feels sort of believable.
1: You need to hire someone else. Someone without rage issues.
3: One's too hot,
2: one's too cold. Goldilocks. Why are you fighting the inevitable? Because
1: she fucked my husband. Oh,
2: so what? That's why. Get over it already. You still have to wake up and be a professional. You can't just go out and do coke and piss away all your money and screw people who are named after liqueurs. I mean, what happens then?
1: You end up here?
2: You end up here.
1: Okay, well, I am trying to make the best of a bad situation. I mean, how much worse can it get?
2: Worse? You're young. You're working. I mean... Shut the fuck up. I could be at home with my baby. Oh, my God. Not this again. Please. Babies are boring. I mean, they don't party. They haven't traveled. They have no sense of irony. And you love this shit. You love being a temperamental star. I know you do. If you were sitting at home with that kid, your life would become just anger and resentment. No work. No husband. You would burn up in a smoldering ash heap of rage and disappointment you think that's good for you or your boring baby it's not
4: he plays a a really great grumpy old man like a terrible person (laughs) yeah no he's
3: great at it like and i find him really funny like that's the kind of sense of humor i like is like just sarcastic kind of angry dude and it's a nice balance because there's really only two main male leads anyways like him and um bash what's that dude's real name chris lowell okay bash howard and so those are the two leads and obviously like they're very different in temperament and so it is funny like just seeing how they they bounce off each other like i I think they filled out the cast i mean obviously they thought about it (laughs) but Mm -hmm. but uh yeah i I think it all works well and i think i mean season two had a few scenes but i would say overall what i also like about it is that it kind of deals with modern social issues without being preachy
4: yes it does
3: Although I would say there's a few scenes in season two that went just a little, like the needle went just a little towards preachy, but it didn't go to the point where it made me cringe or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, you can tell like how they're dealing with certain things. So there's the wolf girl, like they don't have a trans character in the show, Mm -hmm. but Her character, I think, is sort of a metaphor for that, especially in the episode where she explains herself.
4: Oh, that's interesting.
3: She dresses like a wolf and she's always in costume. And then there's an episode where she gives a a speech to Alison Brie, who's sort of asking her questions. And then she sort of says, like, I don't do this for you. I do this for me, Mm -hmm. which I think is sort of their way of touching on that issue so it's like with trans people who dress obviously like as a different gender or whatever you know it's not about telling society who they are it's about allowing them to feel the way that they the way that they feel right so it's for them and not for other people and so I think like that was how they were doing it Mm-hmm. Maybe it's correct. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too far into it. But I feel like that's what it is without getting too heavy-handed and actually having like a trans character. It's sort of like you use that metaphor and it still works.
4: Yeah, that's really cool.
3: This is me. This is what happens when I actually think about stuff when I watch it.
4: Wow, yeah. You took good notes, Andy. This,
3: uh, that's not a note, man. <laughs> that was that was an observation from season one. But how about this? Look, let's listen to a song and then we'll we'll talk more. Maybe we'll just move on and start talking about season two. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right well here's a song (laughs) uh this is computer magic with the track delirium and in brackets don't follow the sheep uh let's listen to it That was computer magic with the track Delirium. And in brackets, don't follow the sheep. And uh if you dig that you should go back and uh, check out my interview with Computer Magic cuz that was a fun one. And that was brought to you by my lovely uh Patreon supporters, Kenjiro, Hampus ML and Chatterack. Cool people, all of them. And uh we're back here with Florence. We're talking about Glow. Did you have anything else you want to add about season 1 or?
4: I really like Alice and Bree's character. I mean, I know that's kind of like a cliche answer because she is kind of the main character Mm -hmm. i think she's funny i think she's smart she's kind of the one dealing with all of the like crazy issues and yeah i don't know that's a shitty answer but i do like her character a lot i like her wrestling character also
3: I laughed when they did the rehearsal in front of an audience and she walked out with the boombox playing, like, the Soviet music and then gave the finger to the crowd. (laughs) It was like, fuck you! (laughs) Like, that was great. But anyway, moving on to season two, because it's more fresh in my mind. Overall, I really enjoyed it. But I always find it a bit weird when they do, like, time jumps. Because they did a bit of a time jump, which, which was fine. I mean, at first the character who plays Junk Chain Cherry is it Cherry? Because mm-hmm. at the end of season one, there's sort of like this: Oh, what's she gonna do? Is she gonna take that other acting job? Then season two starts, and like she's just kind of gone. Mm-hmm. So at first I was like, Oh, is she like not in this season? But obviously she does come back. And at first I was a little off-put, only because you know the characters grew to a certain point at the end of season one, and I feel like to create drama in season two, they sort of did some stuff like they made. Mark Maron's character like a really big asshole in the first few. Mm -hmm. They upped his asshole quotient for the first like three. Yeah I mean that's the way TV works You know You you build him back To be sympathetic again Towards the end But it Mm -hmm. felt A little artificial Because I felt like By the time season one ended He had developed This relationship With Alice and Brie And then when season two started He was like Just a huge prick again Mm -hmm. It gave reasons for it But it was sort of like Ah It felt like it was there On purpose for drama
4: I totally agree That happens a lot When I mean obviously The first season They probably had it Scripted out And they didn't know If it was going to get Signed on for a second season So like most of the time when you're doing a TV show, I guess you have to kind of keep it open ended like that. Mm -hmm. So you never know. I feel like a lot of times in second seasons, you find that where they're kind of like undoing stuff and it kind of like backtracks. On a character's development, and then, like, of course, like, at the end of the season, the same thing happens, and, like, the the resolution takes place. It happens a lot when there are TV shows that are based off of books. The story that they add, you can tell that it's not part of the book because it's, like, it's stupid.
3: Yes, yeah, yeah.
4: I mean, yeah, we were kind of having that conversation. Yeah,
3: with Lord of the, Rings. Lord yeah, of the Rings. Rings. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. But it, it's kind of the same uh, concept, I guess. I don't know.
3: At the same time, it was so at the start of this one, obviously they create some sort of instant tension between him and Alice and Bree that they have to sort of like work through.
2: Who here is confused about who the director is? Because I'm fucking confused because I didn't send anyone to shoot a fucking title sequence at a mall. So who shot this? I did.
0: Hey. It's not him, it was me. I told him what to shoot.
2: Interesting. Are you making a move on my job, Ruth?
0: No, you asked for my help.
2: Honey, I don't need your help. I need you to be a fucking actress. You're not a director just because you take a fucking camera to the mall.
1: The girls needed a boost. And if we're being honest, I thought the show needed something to pull the audience in.
2: Well, I'm not pulling them in with this cheesy girly bullshit. That sequence was garbage. And I'd never put my name on something I didn't direct.
1: You put your name on the pilot. What did you say? You know Ruth directed the pilot. She saved your ass. You should thank her.
2: You're fired.
1: You can't fire me. I signed a contract.
2: Yeah, a contract that says you can't quit without notice, and I can fire you whenever the fuck I want to. So pack up your shit and get off of my set.
3: But then they also showed his softer side by his relationship with his daughter, who he found out was his daughter at the end of the first season, uh, Justine. There was a part where uh, Justine goes to her boyfriend's punk show and then she ends up like hitting her head. Yeah. And then (laughs) the funniest part of the episode was when Mark Maron, like you see him and it's like, oh, he's being kind of fatherly and he helps her and he goes and gets like a med kit. (laughs) And then he kind of walks over to her and he he opens it up and he's just like, and then... uh, And then you just hand it to the person. And then he just like hands her the band aid thing. (laughs) And I remember that was such a funny line. Like, I just.
4: (laughs) That was great.
3: (laughs) I think it was the the next episode was the one where they were going to make a PSA. Yes. And the girls are getting together and the reason why Mark Marin was mad at Alice and Bree in the first place was they went and filmed a title sequence for Glow without telling him and then he I think he felt like his director power was threatened or something and so he got mad that they went and did it even though they they put all this work into it or whatever. Right. But the the PSA episode was like the funniest part was when they were it was it was Allison Bree and and Debbie uh, Liberty Bell they were they were trying to write it together cuz they're sort of bonding their friendship or whatever and they're coming up with ideas for what it should be about and then it goes <laughs> to Allison Bree and she's like they're trying to figure out what it should be, like should be no smoking or teen pregnancy or whatever and then she's like she's like how about good touch and then she kind of like puts her hand in her crotch and she's like how about good touch bad touch yeah and she did that <laughs> <laughs> I fucking, like, I thought that was really funny. Like, that moment was great. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, we could do a good touch, bad touch thing. Like, um, good touch, bad touch,
5: yeah.
1: <laughs> um, well, how does that mitigate the idea that Glow is too sexy? Mm. O- or gonorrhea.
3: There's lots of little stupid little moments like that, like just just like lines in every episode that, that I think are great, but uh, how about this? Let's listen to another song and then we'll fucking uh, keep talking. All right. So here is a track from Magnavolt, and this one's called First Kiss. was Magnavolt with the song First Kiss. And that's a nice one. And that, of course, was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters, Atom Force, Sebastian Antti, and the immortal Chris Celaya Lane. And, uh, and we're back with Florence, and we're talking about Glow. You know, we just watched season two, and I'm trying to think if it was episode, I think it was episode four... I don't know why this made me laugh, but it was during one of the wrestling matches. But I'm trying to remember who wrestled. They did the crucifix move.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: One of the ladies did it to the other lady, and then someone yells, she yells, like, The power of Christ compels you! Like, when she was, like, <laughs> up in the crucifix mode. And I remember that made me laugh. It was so stupid. <laughs> I was talking before About how you know That the show kind of deals With contemporary social things Without being too preachy This was the one It kind of went into Preachy territory Not enough to bug me And I felt the drama of it And it was fine This was the one Where we find out That Welfare Queen Has a son who's in I think he's in university Yes and he's doing very well academically and and obviously he's like a progressive guy he finds out that his mother is playing this sort of racial stereotype Mm -hmm. and there's a scene at the end of the match where they're totally like shaming her and her son's watching and she sort of cries and runs out of the ring oh
4: yeah and it's super cringy oh yeah
3: that that was one moment where it was like like, I got it, and where I think the writing was good, I mean, that moment took it just far enough where I was like, uh, you know, like, but I liked how afterwards he knows it's offensive, but he wants to also kind of, like, spare his mom's feelings, mm-hmm. and so he doesn't give her a speech or lecture her at the end, like, he... He sees that she's happy, but you know he understands that she's a bit conflicted about the character or whatever, and so it, it didn't go stupid or whatever, you know?
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm happy how that episode was resolved. Mm-hmm. I totally get it. It made me think of just actual real wrestling. That is like every character in wrestling is in some way offensive or just a caricature of something, and it's like that is so rampant in the wrestling world, <laughs> too. <laughs> it's insane. The fact that you deal with those issues I don't know, as a wrestling fan, I'm like, yeah, that's like, I bet, like, real wrestlers totally have to deal with that, I'm sure, because the shit that, I don't know, WWE makes people do is insane. It's so stupid. Some
3: of it, it's so dumb. Yeah, that's the thing. And so I think there was just, there was only really one other storyline this season that had what I would consider, and maybe this is the one weird thing about it taking place in the 80s, is I feel like some of the characters may have had more contemporary points of view. Mm -hmm. Especially in what I'll call like the Me Too episode. Right. When we get to that episode, we'll talk about it. But I I felt like it felt a little too much on the nose of like, we're commenting on this practice in Hollywood, but we're doing it from now's point of view Mm -hmm. well whatever we'll get there in a second what was the next episode oh yeah okay so this is the one that made me laugh because it's a prime example of movies and tv that feel like the movie version of a decade you know when directors and writers have a movie take place in the 70s and every character is wearing bell bottoms and listening to disco and stuff and in this one they play what i would consider like the stereotypical gay bar song just because there's a scene where Bash's butler who we saw in the first season is just sort of absent this season and he's going to look for him and they go to a gay bar and like they walk in and Bronski Beat is playing mm-hmm. which is like the stereotypical gay song to be playing in like a gay bar and that's like that song Small Town Boy which is actually a great song like I do really like that song Is sort of things like that, where I'm always like, oh, of course, they're playing Bronski beat, like like the exact moment they step into the bar, it has to be that. Mm -hmm. But I know also they do that because it's like a shortcut, you know, so if you hear that song playing, you just assume, so it sort of saves time on the storytelling, but uh, look, I want to listen to some more music now, that's what, (laughs) whenever I play a little clip from a song and just like, I just want to listen to a whole song, so let's listen to this one. This is Fireflies by Nikki Simmons, the Funk Fiction Remix. And uh, it's cool. Was Fireflies the Funk Fiction Remix by Nicky Simmons from the Citus Two OST? I'm not even sure what that is, but uh, it sounds cool. And if you like Funk Fiction, he was uh, on the show a few episodes ago as well. Or maybe maybe not just a few. Anyway, he's cool. He does cool like uh, video game sounding tracks. And that, of course, was uh, brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. There's Fraser Davidson, Rachel Buchelman, Tristan Waits, and Sarah Buchelman. Hi, guys. Uh, you guys are cool. And, of course, we are back with Florence, and we're talking about Glow Season 2. I know I was just talking about this whole them playing Bronski beat, but that was just a side note, because this is the episode I was referring to earlier as the uh, the Me Too episode. So, uh, Allison Bree. She gets called to the producer or the TV station head or whatever. Says he wants to talk about the show to her. Mm -hmm. And then we already know, because it gets pretty like sort of intense and kind of cringy watching it. Not cringy in a bad way, but cringy because this has obviously been a a contemporary topic right now. But the way in Hollywood, people you know, these producers are abusing their power and, 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 you know, making women have sex with them for roles and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So she goes to meet him at a restaurant. You already know where it's going Mm -hmm. the second it's just like oh he wants to meet in a restaurant and then she goes to the restaurant and then the maitre d is like oh he takes all his meetings in the cabin because it's like a motel kind of thing and then you're like oh no like then you just know like okay well now we know where it's going so there's already a tension going into that part because we know based on all the stories that are coming out about hollywood and all that shit people knew but never talked about and we know this is what's going to happen Mm mm-hmm So it's sort of a a tense scene because she's going in and she's kind of always naive. That's part of her character. She's very ambitious, but naive, very energetic, and she really wants to do good and she really wants to do this thing. And so I really was kind of like, oh shit, like what's going to happen, right? Like, is she going to go along with this dude being creepy or whatever? And then it's a really awkward sequence. And, you know, like the guy from the TV studios there and he kind of plays like sort of a meek dude who sort of, he's there to make her feel comfortable. But then as soon as the producer guy tells him to leave, he just sort of, of leaves, but then Allison Brie takes off. Like she actually uses an up. When the guy leaves the room, she leaves. She f- she's uncomfortable by the situation and she leaves. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, she made the sensible move, but it just still felt like this episode is commenting on the situation from a contemporary perspective. You know, it's like some characters have monologues about the situation as if they are people from 2018. Especially Betty Gilpin's line about female directors. Like, although to be fair, I think, I think they balanced it well, because Betty's character also gets mad at Alison Brie for essentially, like, not sleeping with the network guy, because it means their show gets fucked.
1: I know it was terrible. How could you be so fucking stupid? What are you talking about? You're in the hotel room with the head of the network, he comes onto you and, and you run away? Was I supposed to fuck him? No! You're supposed to make him think that you might fuck him. Or that you you desperately want to fuck him if only you didn't have a fiancé or your period or an extra set of teeth where your vagina should be. I'm not that kind of person. What, an actress? I mean, that is how this business works. Ruth, men try shit, you have to like, oh, yeah, pretend to like it until you don't have to anymore. It shouldn't be that way. No, it shouldn't. And women should get to direct and not be washed up by the time they're 30. And I should have gotten to eat a piece of my own wedding cake without worrying about how many minutes of Jane fucking Fonda was going to take to work it off. But that is the way it is. And you don't make it better by flouncing out like some fucking Victorian schoolmarm every time some sleazeball puts his hand on your knee. You're taking 20 other people down with you. So you just let them do whatever they want? Not exactly a guiding feminist principle. Feminism has principles. Life has compromises. Congratulations, Gloria Steinem. The one time you keep your legs shut, we all get
3: fucked. So while I feel like parts of that monologue sound like they come from the future, you could also say that Debbie is just very, like, entertainment business savvy. You could also read it that way, you know, I suppose. But um, what I still, what was still very surprising, like, drama-wise, that she actually, like, fought her on it and put and Bree in a weird position. Mm-hmm. It also made it more surprising than when you find out, like, Mark Marin's reaction to it.
4: Oh, yeah, no, I, I loved his reaction to it. That was great.
3: I'm accustomed to a certain level of failure.
2: It's just that when a project usually goes wrong, I know exactly what happened. But with GLOW, I have no idea why they shit Candace. Not a fucking clue.
1: I know why. That guy, Tom Grant, he called me in for a meeting in his hotel room, and he came on to me. And I took off before anything happened, but he
0: wanted to sleep with me, and I didn't give him what he wanted. And I
1: don't know. That's that's probably the reason why that's your answer.
2: Are you fucking kidding me?
1: No, I'm not.
2: Fuck that guy. Tom fucking Grant? What a fucking bag, dickhead. Wow. Fuck that guy.
0: You're not upset?
2: No, I'm not upset. Are you kidding? I'm I'm grateful. The show's being burnt out because of a dickhead network president? Not because of me, not because of you. Because of that asshole? That's great. It's the best news I've heard all week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, Tom Grant. Douchebag
3: Because the show isn't super heavy So, Hmm. you know, they deal with these in kind of lighter ways And so Mark Maron does the reverse Like, because Debbie got mad And then when he finds out he's happy that it wasn't him that fucked it up And then he just goes and smashes the dude's window Mm -hmm. And it's satisfying Like, you feel good about it, you know Because it is ultimately a feel-good show
4: Oh, yeah but I mean, just to comment on the the whole 80s thing, I mean, like if they had not gone the way they did and did the opposite and Alvin and Bree ended up sleeping with the dude, even though it's in the 80s, I feel like the fact that this show is released now, there would be repercussions from just the media and whoever's watching it. So they definitely had to go that way. And Debbie's reaction to her not sleeping with him that was classic I feel like that was kind of classic 80s so that was like a, a throwback to what the old school thought was right but then they wrapped it up when Mark Maron was like what a piece of shit and then as soon as he said that everything was cool
3: <laughs> That's why there's one storyline that's sort of dangling that they're hinting towards with Bash's character that I'm wondering how serious they're going to go with it, but we'll talk about that later. Mm -hmm. How about this? Let's listen to another track. Okay. So this is Acid Gambit from the album Nemesis, and uh, this little ditty is called Footprints. And that was Acid Gambit with the track Footprints. From the album Nemesis, and that's a cool one. That was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters, Monkey Magics, Andrew Benson, Robert Wolf, and Kempson Games. And we're back here with Florence. We're talking about Glow Season Two. Yes, we're like halfway through the season now. We're just talking about it. The next episode is the one where they go to the movie theater and watch uh, Mark Maron's movie.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> this is the thing, you know. I, I get really annoyed when people use stock sound effects, but they used the stock scream sound effect. So like when you when you hear the movie on screen because you never actually see the film you only see the title sequence like gina the machina and it's someone like grinding meat mm-hmm. but then you hear this scream sound which is like used there's like a cd of like five scream sounds and that's one of them like the man scream that's like yeah like that and it's like it's used all the time it's it's used as often as the crowd going huh!
5: yeah!
3: but yeah that one was good the ending of this one was super intense Because this was the one where Debbie, she's getting her car washed And she sees her husband with the baby, her ex-husband
4: Oh, yeah And then
3: she walks up really slowly So that scene was so obvious, it's just like when's the other lady gonna walk into the frame right because it had to happen because she was mm-hmm. walking too slowly at him yep. and so she finds out her husband has like a girlfriend and then she has this freak out and sells all her furniture and and then before the match she does some some of Mark Maron's coke yep and the ending of this one was fucking super intense because she's having a wrestling match with Allison Brie and you can tell she's sort of hurting her mm-hmm. like her leg she's got her in this leg lock thing mm-hmm. she's pushing it too far and you know because she's all coked up and emotional that she's sort of getting more into the fight than she should be Mm -hmm. and then just when it literally like you hear the sound of a snap and then it just cuts to black like immediately (laughs) and Uh that was a super intense fucking ending like I remember just going it was perfect it went to black like right after the snap Mm -hmm. and uh, it was good yeah
4: they did a good job with that oh that episode was called work the leg that's a good wrestling term (laughs) this episode was great because with wrestling people get injured all the time they kind of explain like the repercussions of when when Ruth breaks her leg like they they had to change the Mm storyline she had to deal with this broken leg and like how can they keep her in the storyline and keep her relevant and that that happens all the time in wrestling and like the cool thing about wrestling is the fact that it's always really dynamic because shit like that happens all the time so like if someone breaks their leg they had a storyline ready to go but they have to scrap that storyline and they have to do something else and that happens all the time Mm -hmm. and it was it was kind of another callback to like oh yeah here's this thing that happens and you have to deal with it, but it was okay because they ended up like having her be the good Russian twin, and it was this whole ridiculous story where she came to America with a goat to help Debbie find her missing child.
5: Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh my god. Oh, it was ridiculous. But uh, wrestling-wise, it, I don't know. They looked like they were doing okay. I mean, it's not like cringy wrestling or anything. I think it's uh, this guy Chavo Guerrero. Who, you know, the? I think it's the last episode. He's one of the guys, he, he comes in...
3: Um, the one with the frizzy hair?
4: The other guy with the sombrero. He His name's Chavo Guerrero. He's from, like, the Guerrero Wrestling Empire.
3: Isn't he a junior, then?
4: He is a junior, mm-hmm. because uh, his dad was Chavo Guerrero Sr. I
3: technically know more about this than I'm letting on, but I'll let you say it. <laughs>
4: Well, the Guerrero's are a, they're a wrestling family from Mexico.
3: Are those Guerrero's related to Eddie?
4: Yes. So Chavo is his nephew, I think. So yeah, and Eddie Eddie Guerrero was a, he was on WWE. He was married to Vicky Guerrero, who's insane. And um, so I, I don't know. They're, it's there. There are a lot of Guerreros, but I think Chavo was helping out with the wrestling in Glow. With the actual actresses, right? They obviously had to learn how to do some of those moves because they they did them correctly at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
3: well, that's good. So, I mean, from the point of view of a fan of wrestling, then mm-hmm. it's not like some embarrassing thing, you know? You when you watch shows of like it's about computer programmers and like if you know anything about computer programming, like what are they fucking doing? Oh yeah, it's like the way that forensic scientists like watch CSI and go like what? <laughs> like oh yeah, the office is all lit with fucking green lights like coming from the ground and like it's just like no, like we, we actually. Work in brightly lit environments so we can see what we're yes. doing.
4: I can hack into this computer in two seconds, you know. Yeah,
3: you know, that feeling when you watch movies from the '90s where people uh, go into the internet. Yeah, and the internet is represented as. Uh, I always just think of hackers. It's like I know, this fucking, and they just do. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. That's the key. No one ever uses a mouse. That's why, honestly, the British version of The Office was such a great show. Is like it's it's one of like the first shows I think I've ever seen where like you actually see people use a mouse as people actually use my for computers and so there was such a humor in just scenes where like where Ricky Gervais is just on his computer like moving the mouse around and clicking on things it's like you never see that on tv everyone does everything through the keyboard what are you doing like I don't even get it
4: even today when there's a movie and someone has a smartphone with them like first of all the sounds coming out of the smartphone are never correct usually smartphones are silent mm-hmm. so i don't want to hear like i don't want to hear any clicks if someone hangs up like that's not a thing that happens yeah you
3: know? <laughs> i wonder if anyone's ever made they must have a program where just everything you do makes a sound <laughs> you know like every key press every mouse click every time the the cursor moves like just like everything you do on the computer would make that'd be awesome back
4: in the day when i was running uh OS 9 on my clamshell iBook, my mm. blue clamshell iBook, they had a setting where you could add sounds. So it was like every time you closed a window, it'd make like a very satisfying little click. It was mostly like if you're closing windows or if you were scrolling, it would kind of like lightly click also. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this was like a YouTube video or something or did I, maybe I had a friend who did this, but somebody programmed something where like every time anybody clicked on anything on a computer it would make a meow sound. <laughs> That happened. I think that might have been one of my friends who did that. Yeah, I wish I knew how to do that because that would be
3: great. So I would always try and switch out the default beep for something less annoying, but since it was a default beep by virtue of just being a default beep, it always ends up being annoying really fast. It's <laughs> just the sound of, you fucked up. And so, like, you know, there'd be, like, annoying ones. I'm like, oh, I'll do, like, a nice soft sort of beep sound for the default beep. And then, like, a day later, like, just fucking sound because, like, you know. <laughs> Let's listen to another song, and then f- we'll, <laughs> and then we'll uh, we'll keep talking about Glow Season Two. There's like three more episodes, four more episodes to talk about. Sure. So uh, yeah, here's a cool one. This is from At Tribe, and uh, this one's called "Running in the Dark." was Running in the Dark by 80 Tribe, and that's a cool song, and uh, and that, of course, was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters, Lucas Ceballos, Justin Armour, The Patch Bay, and Blake Peterson, and we're back here with Florence, and we're talking about glow season two and wrestling and default beeps
4: wait actually speaking of one one more thing about default beeps mm-hmm. and uh pranking <laughs> people with the uh, technology i also know someone who put you know the intel inside sound that's like doo doo. do do that thing yeah someone had like some like little module and he he put it on um a cabinet or a refrigerator or something so every time someone opened this refrigerator door or door or whatever it was it would make that sound that'd be cool (laughs) yeah
3: (laughs) i'm down with that
4: but i mean also if you didn't know where the hell it was coming from that would also be great
3: i'd like it on my shoes and so every time i stepped down (laughs) actually that would be fucking funny a thing on your shoes so every time you step it makes like a footstep sound but like a sound effect footsteps down from like a movie yeah
4: instead of lights because, you know, they have, like, light-up shoes.
3: That'd be fucking funny. Or it makes the sound of, like, when robots step down in movies and, it, you know, it makes a very heavy-sounding metallic, like... Thump, like RoboCop. Like, the way RoboCop's feet sound when he touches the ground. Mm-hmm. And, like, your foot... Anyway, okay. Let's talk about glow. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, where are we at? So, we're up to episode seven. This was the hospital one. Right. Mark Marin had, again, my favorite line from the thing, which was when um, the girl who plays the, the terrorist character... Her character's named Arthi. And, uh, you know, you finally get a bit of her character, and she's like, you didn't notice that I was studying? Like, she's like, you know, I was always bringing books to the thing, and, and then he's just sort of like, no, I, I don't really pay attention to all of you. And, like, just... <laughs> it was so funny. Like, yeah.
4: This
3: place gives me the creeps.
4: I failed out of med school, so this place brings out a lot of bad feelings.
2: What? You you went to med school?
4: Uh, Yeah. <laughs> When I wasn't wrestling, I was studying. You didn't notice I always had books with me?
2: No, but I I really don't pay attention to all of you.
3: He's brutally honest. Yeah, no, he's great, but the. I love it. (laughs) This was probably, like, my favorite just section of just acting was when Alice and Bree and Debbie finally just have it out mm-hmm. when they're in, like, the hospital room, and I just thought it was great. That whole scene was just really good. At this point, Debbie is, like, fucked over Alice and Bree like, a whole bunch of times, and even though Alice and Bree slept with her husband, you feel now that they're pretty much, like, you know, at first you, you understood, you know, that Debbie was allowed to be mad, mm-hmm. and then there was, like, sort of a breaking point where Debbie, like, fucked her character over to the point where now they're pretty pretty much even keeled and so like when they finally had their fight with each other like this is the thing that's been building since the start of like season one was like this fight Mm -hmm. and i thought they they did a good job like i thought the acting was good
4: ruth was the one who fucked everything over in the first season debbie is the one who fucked everything over in this season Mm -hmm. more or less so. Yeah. They evened it out. Yeah.
3: And so I thought it was good. Like I thought uh, I thought that scene was great. Mm-hmm. Episode 8. Now this is the one I feel a little weird about this one. So this episode 8, I mean as a concept I like. It was essentially An episode of Glow Mm -hmm. This was the one that felt a little fake to me Because
4: Wrestling isn't real
3: No, that's not the reason (laughs) It felt fake because it was basically full of vignettes Like storyline vignettes And like a few wrestling matches Like we were actually watching an episode of Glow Mm Mm-hmm so there's a things I didn't buy about it. And one of them was, I don't think they would have had the budget to shoot on film. All those shots were film. Like, I'm pretty sure that would have been video and whether or not they just didn't want the episode to look that cheap. But I feel like the way that they, you know, the way that they age these things to make them look appropriate, I just felt like the film sequences, as cheesy as they were, were too good. Mm-hmm. Even though the props yeah. were lame and, you know, the sets were cheap and you, you could tell they were shooting all the shots in locations they already had. Like, you could tell, like, they mm-hmm. used debbie's house as a location and even though the things were cheap they were still better than i think they would have been Ooh, yeah. but i'll tell you what's cool listening to more sweet music so here's a cool track from galaxy 80 this one's called claire standish featuring night raptor And that was Galaxy 80 with the track Claire Standish. Featuring Night Raptor. And I think that's from the album Laser Waves, if I'm reading this correctly. And that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters, Martin Larby, Digital Dreams, and Power Loader. And we're talking about Glow season two right now. And I was sort of talking about some of the stuff that was a little kind of unbelievable to me, especially in that episode, which was the glow episode, because I felt it like the production value looked a little too good. And the other thing that I found a little weird was um welfare queen is like selling these dolls like she sells welfare queen dolls
4: teme is that her
3: name she's a real wrestler right or she was
4: yeah she is
3: yeah she's kong right (laughs) she said several names like because she i think she also did japanese wrestling
4: she was known as karma in WWE. yes did she do
3: oh that's 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 where where she's from like
4: shimmer too okay
3: like she i think japanese wrestling was where she was big and then she joined wrestling but then had to leave really soon after
4: yes oh wait no okay i remember this
3: yeah i mean i listened to your interview on wtf if anyone is wondering why i know this but the the point is that she's selling these dolls
1: do you miss welfare queen beating up everyone in the ring well now you can take your very own welfare queen doll home with you limited edition for only $9.99
6: hey there can get out of my way Oh! Oh! I pinned the spoon. Oh! Call now.
1: The queen is waiting.
3: I don't believe that Welfare Queen's ad would have had stop frame animation in it.
4: Oh,
1: no. Because
3: later you not. find out that she's just selling the dolls herself. Mm-hmm. It's not associated with the station or anything. Yeah,
4: and that would never happen. Well, unless you're an indie wrestler. But I mean, especially if you're if you have a contract, that would never happen.
3: Yes. Wrestling. And considering that that contract comes into play into the storyline in the finale. So they're totally fine with her selling merchandise with characters that she doesn't own. Like, I don't buy that. Yeah. And then you find out she's literally just putting little dresses on the dolls herself. And so it's like, mm-hmm. so who made that commercial in there? Like, did she make that commercial? Who animated? And how did she get the money
4: to produce the dolls, too?
3: Well, I mean, you could argue that maybe she's buying pre-made they're not Barbie dolls, but like, you know, dolls that she's then putting little costumes on and saying they're Welfare Queen dolls. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she had that ad in the middle of Glow and that there was stop frame animation in it, I'm like, am I to believe that Sam Sylvia made this commercial for her? Mm. Why would he do that? Right. If she's literally just selling them herself? Like, so there's aspects of that in this episode where I just felt like there was maybe too many story sequences and that they were too good.
4: Well... The story sequences. Now, I don't know when the last time you watched an episode of a WWE thing, but a lot of times most of it is talk and less of it is wrestling.
3: Would there only be two matches in a 30 minute show?
4: Mm, Maybe. Okay. Okay. I mean, obviously this was made for TV. They're focusing more on the storyline because one of their main characters, Ruth, she can't wrestle. So they're still bringing her into the story and they're still focusing on it. Usually, I mean, the wrestling matches would be longer. Mm. And then they would take up more of the story. Clearly, I mean, this is just a TV episode. I think they probably assume that people don't want to watch a just straight up wrestling match. Right. But there have been a lot of promotions, a lot of wrestling shows that a lot of the show is just storyline. Not that much wrestling.
3: (laughs) Of the few wrestling like WWE things I've ever seen or I guess WWF, like in a one hour show, there would probably be four or five matches. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just felt like, because in this version of the show, of Glow, there was like two. And they were very short. Mm-hmm. And so I just felt like it was a little, like the story parts were there was just too much of them. After a while, I was like, do they even wrestle? Like, why are they practicing wrestling if like this whole show all the time is just pre-taped movie scenes?
4: I kind of looked at it as more... Of an abridged episode.
3: Right. We're not seeing the real show. We're seeing yes, right. it's okay, that's valid. Yeah,
4: exactly. I mean, this is it's just kind of like the highlights of it. Wrestling's very it's very meta. It's a TV show like an actual wrestling show. It's a TV show about a wrestling promotion. That is a fake story. Glow is a TV show about a wrestling promotion that is about a wrestling promotion.
3: Right. No, that's valid. I was viewing it as like this is just a self-contained thing. But you're right. If it's just the highlights, then then that's fair.
4: I saw it as the highlights.
3: Although I still maintain that it wouldn't have been shot on film.
4: Sure. <laughs> I'll agree with that.
3: Let's uh, let's listen to another song and then we'll we'll finish this up. Okay. So here's a cool track from Envotion. These guys make super cool music. This one's called Old Booze. And that was Old Booze by Envotion. That's a cool one. And that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters, Trevor Resnick, Polly Digital, and Elias Garnier. And we are back here with Florence. We're talking about Glow Season 2. And we just talked about Episode 8. That was the one that was like the glow, where they show an episode of Glow. Mm-hmm. And then Episode 9, this is the one where Justine's mom... Because she's been living with Mark Maron, and he's like enrolled her in school and stuff, but she's still taking part in like the Glow Productions. Mm-hmm. And then her mom sees her on TV, and then goes out to Mark Maron's house because he slept with her like seventeen years ago, and that's how why he has this kid. And then she wants to take her back, and that was the drama. Yep. Justine's boyfriend, who's in that band, mm-hmm. he reminds me of—is it Mark McGrath? <laughs> yes. Oh my god, he totally looks
4: like Mark McGrath. That's all McGrath. I was
3: thinking of the whole time. I'm just like, this dude looks like fucking Mark McGrath like obviously a young Mark McGrath.
4: Yeah, a young Mark McGrath. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I think I subconsciously was like, he kinda yeah, looks you like knew, someone yes. but I didn't Yeah. I didn't look into it, but that's exactly what he looks like. I
3: don't even know why I know Mark McGrath's name. <laughs> I don't think that dude has ever done anything that's relevant to me in my life, but I know his name.
4: I don't want to say it's a household name.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's a name. <laughs> anyway, but that's what this one was about. And there's some funny interactions there. Is this the one with the dance? Was it all self-contained where Mark Maron almost like kisses uh, Alison Brie at the dance? Was that all this one? It must have been.
4: Yes, it must. I think you're right. Yeah.
3: So uh, this was good. By this point in the season, Mark's character has has softened. So he was he was getting along with uh, Allison Bree again, and everything was good there. I don't have much to say about this one, really, but I want to talk about the finale, because this is what I'm curious about, mm. what they're doing with Bash. Because, so he's got this character who's his butler, and they haven't really established... I get what they're hinting at. So this character, is so he goes to find him because he's not at the house. He left because mm-hmm. he couldn't pay him. Or that's the reason, they say anyways. And then he goes to look for him at a gay bar and he seems kind of uncomfortable there. And then later you find out that his friend died. Mm-hmm. And then you hear it on the phone. They don't say specifically, but, you know, it's implied that hes he was gay, obviously, because he was finding the gay bar and he's dead. So he probably died of AIDS. Mm-hmm. So there's a part where he's getting these people to come clear out his friend's room and he wants it like totally disinfected and stuff and then he starts crying in a way that i'm like okay so are they insinuating that he was in a gay relationship with this guy like i think they are
4: i don't know i mean i don't know how what they're trying to imply by relationship but i mean i think they're definitely trying to imply that bash is gay and he doesn't want to accept it
3: right because then he marries um Britannica, because they have that wedding where that kid from the Sandlot is now a grown-up who looks exactly the fucking same.
4: Oh my God, (laughs) that's who it is. Right? His face
3: is identical.
4: Yeah. That's funny.
3: So he marries her, and I mean, you can tell, sort of, that he's doing it to prove he's straight. Like, I think, I think that's where they're going with his character. Like, he's yeah. And maybe other people notice it. But then at the same time, that one girl seems to like him because they would they cut to reactions of her when he said he wanted to marry Britannica. Mm-hmm. I forget her character's name. Is it Carmen?
4: Carmen. Carmen is Machu Picchu.
3: Yes, that's who I'm talking about. Yes, Carmen. So it cuts to reactions for her. And what I can't tell is, is her reaction, she's sad that he wants to marry Britannica or is that she knows who he is and she's like, oh, why is he doing this? Because it could work both ways.
4: I don't know. I think that is something that will be answered in season 3. Yeah,
3: so it depends on like just wondering like how serious is this show going to go? Because mm-hmm. obviously there is potential there that if he was in a relationship with this dude and that dude had AIDS and died, I'm like are they gonna give Bash AIDS? Like, is that going to be where they go? I feel like that might be too serious for the, the tone of the show.
4: I don't think that...
3: Because if they give him AIDS, he's, it's the 80s, right? So, like, he's not gonna yeah. live if they do that, which would be super serious if they did that to his character.
4: I mean, I didn't read it, read it that he was necessarily in a relationship with Florian. I didn't think he got that far. I think he was just...
3: That's possible. Like, he's gay, but he doesn't want to admit that he's gay and that's why he's like...
4: Exactly. I read it, that they were just very good friends and he never got to the point that he was actually in a relationship with him i could be wrong
3: It's just because when they cut back to the scene of him crying about it, Mm -hmm. obviously it works both ways. Like, he could be crying because he loved that guy, but never got a chance to be with him or whatever. But then also, when he was like getting the people to get all his furniture out, and then he specifically says like they wanted that room like super disinfected and stuff, because obviously AIDS has that stigma in the 80s. So I could see part of it is just he was just afraid that he might have it. I got that from it too. Like, that's why he would be stressed out. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Like, I just feel like that's that would be too serious like but i feel like they might go in that direction and then it turned out he didn't have it because he wasn't in a relationship with that dude but he's afraid that maybe he is just because this is back in the day when you know like eddie murphy's raw and stuff when he's doing bits about it and thinking you can get aids from people by like kissing them and stuff like that so he could just be paranoid yeah and that's and it's and it's stressing him out Mm -hmm. but we'll see the the part that made me laugh though was the uh (laughs) When, when the Sandlot guy gets mad that Britannica's not going to marry him anymore, and then and then the Welfare Queen grabs him by the hair and like throws him out of the ring, yeah, and that, <laughs> like that made me laugh.
4: That's after he said that wrestling isn't real. Yeah.
3: Just just because she grabbed him by the hair. I don't know why that made me laugh. But uh, anyway, Uh, look, let's listen to uh, some more music, man, because that is what this show is all about. So here's a cool track by Michael Oakley. This was from the California Remixed album. And this is Turn Back Time, the Robots with Ray Guns Remix.
6: Been on my side. The sun's forgotten to shine lately in my sky. But I'm remembering who I am, a part of me once lost. I realize the things that mean to me the most. I put the radio on and I'm playing our songs. I think about you as I'm driving home. I wonder how two people so right are apart. And we felt alive. We should have taken the moment when it was right. Now I. Someone else, a pretender to their throne He'll promise you the world but make you feel alone He doesn't know who you are, no not the way I do I'm the one disguised here right in front of you Hoping that you will call And tell me you and him are through and he falls And that you wanna ride out off into the sun We'll go out and dance the whole night You'll be laughing and feel so alive I'll never let that moment slip again I'm wishing you were here tonight Feel so alive alive.
3: And that was Turn Back Time by Michael Oakley, the Robots with Ray Guns remix. And that was from the California Remixed album. There's a bunch of remixes on it, obviously. I think we even voted on some of the ones that were going to be in there. I feel like I was part of the judgment. Yeah. Now my memory's just going to shit. Anyways, that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. There's Murat, Playmaker Media, Ashley Keegan, and Greg Smith. So we're talking here, I'm with Florence, and we're talking about Glow Season 2. We just got done talking about the Season 2 finale.
4: This is, wait, okay, this episode was called Every Potato Has a Receipt.
3: Mm. I'm assuming that has something to do with the Russian stuff, but, uh...
4: Maybe... I didn't understand that episode name.
3: Well, there was that part where they went to the grocery store and bought a bunch of potatoes, <laughs> right? You <Yeah. laughs> I was watching a different show. <laughs> I liked it, though, and I actually, Forgot. I actually thought the final match was actually like dramatic mm-hmm. like it was pretty emotional you know like when they i mean obviously this is super tv show mm-hmm. that they would have it already planned out that allison Bree would win the match but she wouldn't know and then they'd already have like a fucking zip line to the ring ready for her to but somehow set all this up without her knowing yeah. i mean that was like a super tv show moment but emotionally it worked and it worked on me like i was like oh she won because you know they think it's the, the last time they'll ever wrestle and so mm-hmm. she got to win at the end and um but all in all, it's a good show. I think it's uh, it's entertaining. It's also nice to have, because obviously this is a funny time when it comes to female-led things, mm-hmm. because there's certain franchises and other things where they're being maybe a bit too preachy about stuff, and it's just nice to see a yeah. show that's like majority female cast... But it's not preachy. It just has characters that just yeah. behave like people yeah. and that are fun that are you know have their flaws and can be raw and uh, mm-hmm. they're not portraying them as like perfect. You know, like it's just it feels the dr- the drama feels uh, legitimate mm-hmm. and and it's not really too preachy about it. It just is like an entertaining show that happens to have a female cast and it's not like
4: and it's also based off of a real thing mm-hmm. because gorgeous ladies of wrestling was a real show in the 80s so that gives it even more credibility mm-hmm. i don't know if credibility is the right word but unfortunately i don't think they, they didn't really talk to the wrestlers from the actual show that much i think they there was some communication there but i, I mean i haven't looked into it a lot but i just remember hearing at least this was back in season one mm-hmm. They didn't really talk too much to those ladies who were actually the actual people in the show in the
3: eighties. It's weird that they haven't done. You think they would be doing cameos and shit? Yeah,
4: yeah. That's the weird thing because like all the cameos are they're from like the wrestler that we talked about, um, Karma Kong. So she's in it, but like most of the other cameos are all all just guys right even like from the first season that wrestling show like the ref the guy who plays the ref he is literally like a local los angeles referee for wrestling
3: cherry's husband that guy
4: no 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 the episode where debbie goes to see um the wrestling match in the first season
3: okay 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 yeah
4: yeah that one literally the ref his name is marty elias (laughs) nerd (laughs) and it's hilarious because he's usually a he's a bald dude but he's wearing a
3: wig oh awesome
4: in the glow, I know it's great. I was like, "Is that Marty?" Oh fuck, that's Marty. It's great, but yeah, no, it's just a bunch of like guy cameos. Right. There were a ton of guy cameos in uh, the first season, and one of the guys was a uh, Joey Ryan who does. He's famous for his uh, move that he does with his penis. That's a that's a real thing.
3: What was? Is this sex? <laughs> I don't understand.
4: <laughs> that's it. Uh, no, that's, a, that's the only
3: penis move I know.
4: <laughs> Dare you, Andy, to type in Joey Ryan penis?
3: What can I just type I in Joey you Ryan? You will,
4: yeah, you can type in Joey Ryan. Joey Ryan did a he did a wrestling match in Japan with. Oh fuck, I forgot the. Is it called um, the, the guys milk guys carton? Move, no, j- seriously, you gotta type in Joey Ryan penis Japan wrestling move. Joey Ryan's pe- penis move, like seriously. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, you, if I type that into Google and they're gonna Fucking know right, whatever. Joey Ryan I'll do it with you P-
4: Joey Joey Ryan's penis wrestling move I bet you anything You'll it, just, It's not
3: auto filling out For me
4: There you go Joey Ryan's penis has strength That is the name of the The, um, the video
3: Okay I'm just gonna write Joey Ryan has strength There you go <laughs> and see if it... Okay, now I'll click on YouTube. What?
4: <laughs>
3: Did you find it? What? So he makes the other guy grab his dick, and then he just screams... I don't understand what's happening. Is so his penis meant to be, like, grabbing the dude's hand, and then it flips the guy? Yep. Yep,
4: okay. that's, that's what his penis does. See? All
3: right, so I just saw a Wrestling. stupid thing. <laughs>
4: He is one of the guys in uh, that match. Oh, is he the one that that sleeps with Debbie? No, he is the one who is fighting the guy who sleeps with Debbie. The guy who sleeps with Debbie, his name is Alex Riley, and he was in WWE for a while. I don't think he's there. I don't know if he's doing anything lately, but I uh, I was happy for him that he got that spot on Glow. Good for him because he was like kind of, I don't know, WWE wasn't really using him. Sure. So I think he, uh, he left the, the company. Yeah. But yeah, that's, wrestling's ridiculous.
3: <laughs> All right, well, how about this? Let's listen to one more song, and then we'll wrap this up for real, because that's what we should have been <laughs> doing a while ago. Uh, this is a cool one. This is Hyperspace. The track is called Hyperspace, but it's by Nerex, which I think that's how it's pronounced, N-E-R-E-X. I think it's Nerex, like that. But you let me know. Because it could be Nerex, but I think it's Nerex. Anyway, uh, Nerex with the track Hyperspace. <laughs> And that was Nerix with the track Hyperspace. And that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. There's fucking Slunks, Will Lowe, Colin Bennett, and Knight of Ducks. So thank you all for supporting Beyond Synth. If you want to join them, go to beyondsynth.com and click on the donate button. Or go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth. So we've been talking all episode, Florence and I, about GLOW Season 2. And now... We are winding down. So, uh, is there anything uh, we didn't talk about that you wanted to uh, talk about? I know. I think off air you mentioned something about when uh, when Judge Bitch was on the show.
4: I was really excited that uh, Judge Bitch mentioned that he liked Japanese wrestling, especially the entrance themes to Japanese wrestling. There's some awesome entrance themes. Look up Haruki Gotō's entrance theme. It's the most epic thing you've ever seen in your life. Okay, hold on.
3: Haruki Goko It's like
4: Goto G O T O but it's like a combination of opera and power metal and like orchestral stuff it's it's super epic <laughs>
3: You know that kind of reminds me of uh, Harry Gregson Williams. He does the music for the Metal Gear series, and uh, I bet like whoever's uh, <laughs> whoever wrote this thing is probably using like the same sound library. So, what what are your predictions for season three? I have one.
4: Ooh, they're gonna go to Vegas. Mm-hmm. That's my prediction. Um...
3: I'll tell you what. I'll tell you my one thing. Yes, because it's it sort of ends on like an optimistic note Mm -hmm. and you know Horatio Sands showed up and he says he's you know he's got stakes in a casino that they're going to play at and if I'm wrong you know whatever I think next season will start and they will go to the casino they're going to play at and it's going to be like a dump so that's the prediction because they're going in there all optimistic and then they're going to get there Mm -hmm. they're going to open the door and just see that this casino is like some piece of shit fixer-upper that hasn't been fixed up yet and they'll probably even go to some nice places along the way to like heighten the the shittiness of Horatio Sanz's casino Mm -hmm. or like whatever wherever they're going to be performing and so like they're going to be all excited then they're going to go there and this is going to be like this piece of shit and then like part of the drama is going to be just getting the place up to code so that they can actually like have people in there because mm-hmm. then they'll be like building violations and stuff because the dude just owns strip clubs right so right. he's going to admit that like he, he bigged it up too much you know
4: yeah you can see that but that'll
3: be funny like cause i like horatio sand so i think like he could be like a funny addition to the thing like his his involvement
4: yeah i think so did that actually happen did they i don't know what actually happened with the real tv show did they go to vegas
3: dude you're the expert man
4: i didn't watch glow i only watched wrestling in the last like four years (laughs) yeah I think uh, that's all I know yeah I
3: mean like I understand that the show is a fiction I did read some people who were complaining like that it wasn't like a docudrama or whatever and like it's very clearly (laughs) a television show like the drama in it is very clearly a TV show
4: I'm sure there was plenty of drama in real life but of course they have to heighten the drama and clean it up a little bit for tv mm-hmm. you know no matter what happened you have to make it a comprehensive story yeah i saw the documentary though which is on netflix it's pretty good
3: yeah i i see it on there i haven't watched it but
4: yeah if you're interested in the uh, the real life gorgeous ladies of wrestling did they do coke um i don't know if they <laughs> i don't know if they mentioned doing coke I'm sure they did.
3: They better did. They better did.
4: <laughs> <laughs> they better have did coke. They better
3: did. <laughs> All right. My brain is, uh, is shutting down for the evening. So uh, let's wrap up. Um, do you have any closing thoughts?
4: No. <laughs> I'm good. I think we did it.
3: All right. Well, you have a lovely day, Florence. Okay. And uh, come back in a few weeks and we'll uh, watch some stuff and uh, review it. Hell yeah. All right, and that was Florence and I talking about Glow Season 2. So that was fun. Let me know what you think. Do you want us to do more episodes like that, where we, like, focus on a specific show and review it? Maybe you guys would be like, why the hell did you do that? That was stupid. So I don't know. Let me know, man. I'm all about the feedback these days. All right, there's a new Andy Last in town, and he cares about what people think. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But, uh... But listen, uh, thanks a lot for tuning into the show. Uh, You all are awesome. And uh, yeah, man, have a lovely day. And for all my Patreon supporters, go to the Patreon page because there will be a poll. I'll probably put it up Monday when the episode drops on SoundCloud. And uh, vote for your favorite song of the episode. And uh, then we'll do like a best of in a few weeks. And of course, there'll also be a behind the scenes vlog for you guys to watch, which will just probably be a two minute video shot on my iPhone of, you know, me sitting on a toilet or something. But uh, the point is, <laughs> have a lovely weekend and uh, tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Thanks.
1: Thanks for listening to Beyond Synth. If you would like
0: to support Beyond Synth, please visit patreon.com forward slash beyondsynth. And don't forget to check out Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Instagram. If you want to submit your music for the show,
3: please email it to beyondsynth at gmail.com. Have a lovely day.